Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. It's mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. I want to thank you for downloading and listening. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, otherwise known as the Strolling Astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon by giving as little as a dollar a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash observersnotebook. If you'd like to join the ALPO, you can for as little as $18 a year. For more information, you can visit us on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And we're also on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy, and the podcast also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode. And now, episode 60 of the Observer's Notebook. Alright, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook. Uh, we're continuing our series of member profiles with this edition, and today we're talking to Steve Seidentop. He's Steve's an active contributor to the ALPO, and he's also the producer of the podcast. So, what's, uh, uh, welcome to the podcast, Steve, and thank you very much for your continued support. Well, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. You make me sound very important. I appreciate it. Well, for the podcast, you're very important. <laughs> <laughs> Um, why don't you give everybody just a brief background about yourself, where you're from, occupation, that type of thing. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. I am originally from North Carolina. I uh, grew up in a uh, military town, and at about the age of 13, uh, we moved to uh, an itty-bitty town in Indiana. So we went from a very uh, diverse community uh, on the coast to a town of about 300 people in the middle of a cornfield, and that was... Uh, that was kind of a big culture shock. Um, that did, however, uh, set me on my path to being involved in astronomy because in, uh, in Jacksonville, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune, I wasn't really able to see much of the night sky. But when I got out to the middle of nowhere in Indiana, uh, suddenly I looked up and I thought, what are all those clouds? And it was the Milky Way and I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> so that, uh, so yeah, so I, uh, Lived in Indiana for a, for a while. I graduated high school, uh, went on to some college, joined the military, went back to college, and uh, 
through the course of being a teenager and uh, being in the military, I had taught myself how to write computer programs. Back in the day, I had a Commodore 64 and uh, got a uh, subscription yes. to Run Magazine. Uh, my first <clears> was a Trash 80. <laughs> oh, a Trash 80, yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, back at that time, you, you couldn't look, jump on the Internet and download software. You got it. Uh, in a magazine and magazines are these things that are printed on paper and they're bound together and you actually get them in the mail and you got to type in your software and sometimes that would be an hour sometimes that would be a week and then you got to debug your software because a you made typos and uh, b it usually didn't work the first time anyway even if you typed it exactly as it was printed so uh, that, that made me very good at what I do today. Uh, by day, I'm a software developer, and I think that, uh, I think that, that path that I took uh, gave me the edge in that I'm an excellent communicator, I'm an excellent troubleshooter, and I really enjoy digging into the technical details of, uh, of pretty much anything that I do. And that's another, another thing that I love about amateur astronomy. I really feel like we're in the golden age of amateur astronomy today. Uh, you can go jump on Amazon.com and uh, pick up off-the-shelf equipment and uh, with a little bit of elbow grease and some expertise, produce images that rival uh, stuff that the, that the Hubble telescope was able to produce 20 years ago. That's very true. And it, yeah, everything's so accessible right now. And it's, it's like a double-edged sword, though, with the amateur astronomy because people really don't want to get into it because they can download Hubble images and other people's Im I mean, I, Damien Peach makes me not want to take astrophotos because <laughs> there's no reason, no, no way I, I, can, know. I can compete with that, you know? It's, I, I, I kind of feel like it's, um, you know, it's kind of like going to the grocery store. Do I want to the grocery store? Do I want to go to the grocery store and buy a, buy a fish from the, uh, from the deli? Or do I want to go catch it myself and uh, uh, and enjoy uh, enjoy eating that fish? So it's it's a matter of personal preference. Um, there are guys in the local club that I'm in uh, that that love the remote observatories because they hate getting out in the cold and sitting in uh, sitting in the dew and the mosquitoes and everything else that we have in Georgia uh, and acquiring those images and they just love the process. Um, I enjoy both sides of it. I actually kind of equate amateur astronomy to fishing at a certain point because at some point you have your telescope set up and if you're observing, you may be waiting for something to come up and you're shooting the breeze with your friends. Or if you're imaging, your equipment's kind of doing its thing and you're waiting to see what you caught. And uh, so I, I, enjoy, I enjoy a lot of different aspects of amateur astronomy, not just, uh, not just imaging and not just lunar and planetary imaging. The lures are a little bit more expensive, though, in astronomy. They are a lot more expensive. <laughs> sure. now, is there a person or an event that first sparked your interest in astronomy? Um, I think it was my mom. She got me a subscription to Ranger Rick magazine. And uh, with that subscription came a free telescope. And it was a little, uh, little refractor, uh, maybe 50 millimeters. But I think I was being a pest one night, and she told me to go take my telescope outside and look at the moon. And that's what I did, and I was hooked. And that was, uh, that was, that was, my, first, that was my first Galileo experience. How old were you then? I think I was, uh, I think I was about 11. Okay. Yeah. okay, Ranger Rick, huh? 
Ranger Rick. Yeah, I think Ranger Rick is still around. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're not giving away free telescopes these days, but yeah, no. I think they're still around. Well, do you have a dream telescope, one that you would want to have if money was no object? You know, that is a great question. And um, kind of depending on my mood, uh, that will determine the answer. Um, so a, a good friend of mine who has passed away, his name is Art Zorka, and uh, he was a member of the Atlanta Astronomy Club. And one of the people that was on the, f- on the astronomy field the first night that I went out to uh, the Charlie Elliott chapter of the Atlanta Astronomy Club, which is actually the, uh, what, what I'm part of. And he gave me a tour of the night sky. We were talking about telescopes and, you know, what should I get? Because I was an adult and I wanted to get a real telescope. And I had all kinds of guidance, you know, go, go get a 16 inch daub and uh, go get a refractor and go get a, go get a Schmidt Cassegrain and, you know, a, a, uh, a fist fight almost breaks out when you talk about refractors versus uh, SCTs. But, uh, um, he said something that stuck with me uh, f- to this day. He said, the best telescope is the one that you're going to get out and use. Very true. And, yeah. And uh, so I think my dream telescope probably would be something uh, that I could, A, stick a camera on, and B, uh, pack up and take with me somewhere out to the middle of nowhere or out to the middle of somewhere, you know, during an eclipse, for instance, because we have another one coming up. And uh, my uh, my wife's cousins, um, the center line is going to run right through their front yard. So I may be uh, oh, I may goodness. be I may be hitting my hitting my buddies up for uh, for some bedroom space oh, so up what, in Ohio. So what's the address, and uh, can we rent rooms now? <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're we're actually forming an LLC. So I'll let you know, and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take your PayPal tonight. If you want. Fantastic. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk after. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What's your current equipment? What are you What are you using right now? So I am uh, I am kind of in a state of flux right now. Um, I had a uh, a, a Skywatcher NEQ6 Pro, and that was at the Peach Stitch Stargaze last year, and I got a uh, got a chance to try some really nice telescopes from Explore Scientific on it, um, and one of them was their. Uh, their new, I think it's a seven and a half inch, 165 millimeter refractor, uh, FPL, uh, 53 glass, I believe it is. I've looked at that. That is a cool yeah. Explore Scientific is doing really good. Yeah. So Scott was there and Scott says, Hey, you want to try this? And he hands it to me and I said, Scott, if I break this, I can't afford it. And he goes, ah, don't worry about it. Just go ahead and take it. Cause you know, that, that's the kind of guy he is. He that's needed the shirt guy. off his back. And so I did that. And, um, Greg Bragg, uh, who was at Explore Scientific, uh, convinced me to try out the uh, Explore Scientific PMC-8 mount, the G11 version. And so I have that set up, and I'm actually a member of the steering committee for the newly created PMC-8 open source project. So if you are, uh, if you are considering uh, a controller for pretty much anything uh, that might be related to or not related to astronomy, the PMC-8 controller is very versatile. Uh, and it is now an open source project, so my little my little plug there. Uh, but yeah, I am using a G11 uh, with the PMC8 motor controller on it. It is super smooth. Um, it is a very stout platform, and I have a uh, five inch triplet on it right now, uh, and I have an eight inch Schmidt Cassegrain that I'll break out for uh, my lunar and planetary stuff. 
Great. Now, talking about that, it's what are your current interests? You mentioned lunar, planetary, and, and astrophotography, and I've seen some of your great photos on your Facebook page and things like that too. But what what are, what are your interests in astronomy? Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment on my images. Uh, I consider myself a sophomore at best, but um, so I I really enjoy uh, imaging Jupiter when when I get the chance. Uh, Mars is cool, and Saturn is cool. But if you're bored with Jupiter, wait five minutes and it'll be different. <clears throat> it, uh, yeah, it, uh, it uh, rotates very, very, uh, very, very quickly. And about a minute and a half, I think, is about the longest you really want to spend on a single, uh, uh, on a single imaging run uh, before you start to uh, see smearing in your stacks, unless you're going to do some derotation with uh, something like Winjupos. But, uh, yeah, I really enjoy Jupiter. There's, it, it seems like every time I turn around, uh, there's some kind of shadow transit or moon transit or some kind of challenge involved with Jupiter. So when it comes to planetary imaging, I really enjoy imaging Jupiter. Um, when it comes to deep sky stuff, I find that uh, right now I'm really interested in, uh, in nebula, particularly the stuff that's up in the sky right now in the northeast um, I was uh, I was imaging uh, the Crescent Nebula, which is in uh, uh, Cygnus, and I decided to do some experimenting with uh, with the drizzle uh, functionality in PixInsight. I don't know if you've ever worked with PixInsight, but no, I uh, so drizzle uh, effectively increases the resolution of your image, and so I set it to drizzle 4x and came up with this massive two and a half, three gig file, this image file of the Crescent Nebula and thought I would do some uh, noise reduction on it. And it ran for two days and locked up my, uh, my MacBook Pro. Oh my so, yeah. So, you know, you know what that means? I have to go buy a new one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, yes. Um, I'm gonna have to get that one past the budget committee in my house. So that's going to take a while. Um, so anyway, yeah, I uh, I really I find that I enjoy the technical aspect of it, but I also enjoy observing, and I kind of cycle back and forth. I started out as an observer uh, with a uh, with a twelve inch daub as a kind of my first real telescope. Uh, was a Zoomel, as a matter of fact. I don't, I don't know if you remember that brand. No, not familiar with that. Yeah, I think they're I think they're gone now. Um, They've uh, they've been uh, the same telescope has come back under a few different brand names, but I find observing to be very therapeutic. And I, some people some people do as well. Some people can't stand it. Some people can't imagine putting anything but a camera in their telescope. But uh, I think what really what really uh, kind of solidified observing as kind of an important activity for me. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Jack Fitzmeyer, came up with this idea uh, a few years ago at a Peach Day Stargaze to play this game that we made up, and we called it Herschel Roulette. So if you're a member of the Astronomical League, there, you know there's a Herschel program, right. and uh, the, yeah, the Herschel 400 will kick your butt. Um, I've done Messier some, marathons. So you've done Messier marathons, okay. So yeah, you need some big scopes uh, or a lot of patience. Uh, to do the Herschel 400. And so we came up with this idea, let's do a Herschel roulette. And so Jack would call out a Herschel object and go-tos were allowed because we had a lot of imagers there that we convinced to take uh, the cameras out of their telescopes and put eyepieces in. And so the uh, the challenge was you had to 
uh, name the constellation it was in, and then you had to look at the object and determine what kind of object it was. And I, that, for me, was therapeutic in that it 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 included all of the activities of of observing, but it also included kind of that 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 social connection to the people that I was observing with. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, actually it is. It really was. Um, and, you know, throw a bottle of scotch in there, too, and it becomes even more fun. <laughs> Everything's fuzzy. <laughs> yes, yes. They're, they're all faint fuzzies, yes. That's funny. Uh, so, yeah. Interesting. Now, how now how long have you been a member of the ALPL? Oh, gosh. Um, I think maybe about six years now, maybe seven years. What got you involved so, with them? Well, um, so a member of the uh, the Charlie Elliott chapter of the Atlanta Astronomy Club uh, got me involved. His name is Ken Pashedley, and you've probably heard of Ken. He uh, is Ken, Ken is one on the podcast. Yes, yes. Um, so uh, Ken lives about a mile from me, and he was one of the uh, first people who uh, talked to me at the, uh, the first meeting I went to of Charlie Elliott Astronomy. And really started encouraging me to check out lunar and planetary stuff. And we also have uh, Teo Romakers in the uh, Charlie Elliott chapter of the Atlanta Astronomy Club. He's a uh, he's a member in the uh, in the who helps uh, run the solar section. Great. Does a great job at that. Great solar imaging. Oh man, it's like every day, every day yeah. he puts something up on the club's Facebook page. Uh, he he is dedicated and he's good. Yes, he is. And so yeah, so I. Uh, I got involved uh, with the Alpo that way. I started helping out with the with the Facebook page, which was seeing zero activity. I think we had like maybe eight eight likes at the time. And um, basically, what I started doing, you know, I didn't really have any guidance. Somebody just said, "Hey, why don't you check out the Facebook page and see what you can do with it?" And it was kind of an informal uh, informal arrangement where I would just jump in and help out as I could. And so, what I started doing, I started scouring. Uh, all of the uh, the Yahoo groups for uh, that that the uh, that the Alpo images were being submitted on, and I would just stick them up on the Facebook page, and I would say, "Hey, so and so image Jupiter, and this is a shadow transit." And they did it from, uh, uh, let's say, Clyde Foster, who does a great job of, Im- of submitting a lot of images um, from C- Centurion, South Africa. And I would do that, and I would try to do that, you know, every maybe every day, every other day. And suddenly we went from like eight likes to 50. And then we went from 50 to 150 to 300 to 500. And I think we're up around 5,000 maybe. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't pay attention to the likes. Um, I really try to just focus on uh, giving the imagers that are submitting images recognition. Because it's, it is, it's easy to get out there in your driveway once in a while and do it. But it takes some real dedication to drag your stuff out and set it up and do that every night. And even if you have a permanent observatory, there is still a commitment and dedication required to do it for, in doing that. That's very true. Yeah, it, it's. I run the training program, and the, the key to graduating is making systematic observations. I mean, it's not one or yes. two. It's not one or two drawings of an object. It is. I made two hundred drawings of one crater in eighteen months when I was in the training program in the 70s. So it, it's, <laughs> you got to put the work in to get it back. And it's just like, it's, and you become a better observer too, the more you look through the telescope as well. Yes, 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 you do. Um, interesting, uh, interesting that you should bring that point up. I uh, went to the eye doctor 
um, after having been a visual observer for about a year and my left eye, which is the eye I use for my eyepiece, um, my vision improved. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're able to pick up finer details. Yes. I've never yes. heard anybody do that. That's, that's, yeah. that's pretty, that kind of makes sense. It, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Now you've mentioned the Atlanta Astronomy Club or the, the Charlie Elliott Astronomy Club. Is it the same thing? Yes, so uh, there's the Atlanta Astronomy Club, and then the only chapter of the Atlanta Astronomy Club is Charlie Elliott Astronomy. Uh, so Charlie Elliott Astronomy meets once a month out at the Charlie Elliott Wildlife Management Area, hence the name Charlie Elliott Astronomy. And uh, we typically have um, uh, a PhD candidate from Georgia State or Georgia Tech uh, or a real astronomer, and I say real astronomer, an astronomer, a working astronomer, because we're all real astronomers. Some of us just get paid and some of us don't. Um, so a, a, uh, a working astronomer uh, come out and give a presentation on some current research. And then, uh, assuming the weather cooperates, we'll uh, make our way down to John Wood Astronomy Field and set up telescopes and uh, uh, imaging rigs and uh, and observe an image until the wee hours of the morning. And that's that's about a 45-minute drive from the east side of Atlanta. Uh, if you're in Atlanta, it's probably going to be maybe an hour and 10 minutes uh, straight out east on I-20. And we uh, we meet uh, once a month out there, uh, ceastronomy.org, if you want to check it out. And if you don't, that's cool too. But uh, I have served in a few different positions there. Um when I came on as a member, there was maybe about 10 or 15 people that were, uh, that were kind of the core group, and they had lost a member who was really, he was kind of the, uh, kind of the heart of the group. His name was John Wood, and John was the kind of guy that, that if you were the last one set up on the field and everybody else had left, he wouldn't leave you there by yourself. He would hang out with you, and he would stay with you. So you had so, so you had another set of eyeballs on the woods, uh, and and just hang out with you. And he was uh, uh, so he ended up passing away, and the club really that took a toll on the club uh, emotionally on a lot of the club members. And so when I came on board uh, as a member, I didn't really know about this. I just noticed that there wasn't a whole lot going on, and I thought, you know, I want this place to be something that my kids would want to come to when they're a little bit older. Because at the time, I had uh, our first son in 2010 and our second son in 2011. Um, we had them really close together. So, you know, uh, my house is always a train wreck because that's what little boys do. You've got young uh, running around, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're, uh, they're eight and seven now, so they're, they're not too terribly young. But they're uh, they're young enough to to keep me tired. But that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. So um, I think it was in 2011, and I might have my dates wrong. Uh, as I get older, I notice my memory doesn't work quite as well as it used to. Um, I Larry Owens and Taylor Romakers approached me and said, "Hey, uh, how do you feel about uh, taking on being director in the club?" And I said, "Sure, I'll give it a shot." And so I, I changed a few things up. Uh, I wanted to, what I, the first thing I wanted to do was and stop calling it the Charlie Elliott chapter of the Atlanta Astronomy Club 
because when you're out shaking hands at an outreach event, hey, this is the Charlie Elliott chapter of the Atlanta That's Astronomy Club. Say. That's a lot to roll off the tongue. And so I thought, why don't we just call it Charlie Elliott Astronomy for the purposes of social media, marketing, for the purposes of public outreach, we're Charlie Elliott Astronomy. Okay. Uh, on our charter, we are, the, we are a chapter of the Atlanta Astronomy Club, and we are effectively... I guess I should say operationally, we are for the most part autonomous in that we have our own meetings, uh, we have our own bylaws, uh, we have our own elections, um, but we are uh, a chapter of the Atlanta Astronomy Club and funded by the Atlanta Astronomy Club. What's the membership? Um, let's see, I think there's about uh, about 100 paying members uh, on, a, on a good night. Uh, well, let me let me say this. Um, when one of the one of the other things that I did was that I moved away from having members who were knowledgeable, uh, and, and you know some of our members, um, you know, we got Ken Pashedley, we've got Rich Jakeel, who comes to meetings quite a bit. Uh, if you know Rich, he's a uh, he's been published in Sky and Telescope a few times, has a couple of books. Um, Michael Covington, Doctor Covington, comes out once in a while, so. For some reason, Atlanta is a hotbed of amateur astronomy and imaging, and I can't figure out why, because the skies are terrible most of the time. <laughs> but um, I moved away from having having those guys who are very qualified and excellent speakers uh, give presentations, and I started reaching out to anybody that would listen at the local universities, because what I found is that um, a prophet is never respected in his own land. Everybody, everybody knows Rich, and everybody right. loves Rich. But when they come out to an astronomy club meeting, uh, they're very familiar with Rich. And so, uh, the kind of things that will get people out on a cloudy night, get them to drive an hour and a half or an hour, or however long it takes, on a cloudy night to go sit through an astronomy club meeting, um, are the kind of things they read about in the news. And so, I've developed a relationship with a lot of the folks at Georgia State. And uh, we've been able to get a lot of really good presenters uh, from Georgia State and Georgia Tech talking about everything from dark matter to uh, uh, searching for exoplanets to mapping surface features of stars, uh, star spots, basically. You name it, it's run the gamut. And so now, um, on, a, on, a, on an average night, we'll have about 35 or 40 people at a meeting. Uh, and if the weather is, if the, if the weather cooperates, we'll probably see 60 to 70 on the astronomy field with maybe, uh, you know, 20 or 30 telescopes. And, and that's a typical night. I think the best night I've ever seen, we had about 70 people, 60, about 60 people at a meeting and we had about 150 on the, on the astronomy field. And it was, it was a great problem to have. You had to search for a parking spot. That's fun. Yeah. I, I'm noticing a trend at our local club here in Southern California is called the Ventura County astronomical society and i was president 15 years ago or something like that and every monthly meeting was an amateur astronomer talking about the sky mm -hmm. well i just rejoined the club about two months two months ago and it was interesting i was talking to one of the guys who have been there forever and he said now since we're close so close to jpl and mount wilson ah. and things like that we draw speakers from there and what they do is like three out of four months are professionals 
and then the fourth month is an amateur talk. Well, the atten- okay. the attendance really drops when it's the amateur, and it's really interesting. It's, it's that it, I, I you know trying to wrap my head around it, but most of the members want to hear the big scientists talk because they're talking about the space probes and things like that as well. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting trend. Yeah, what I what I find is that uh, when people go to a meeting, they don't want to hear about something they can watch a YouTube video on. Uh, they want to hear uh, about a scientist talking about research that they read about in a news story somewhere, and and that that's what gets people to drive an hour and a half on a night when when it's cloudy out or rainy or cold or whatever but yeah that that's great that you guys have uh, have jpl so close i wish we uh wish we had uh, something like that but i'm i'm very pleased with uh with uh the folks that uh, have, have taken their time to come out and join us from georgia state and uh georgia tech well, yeah that's anytime you have a major university right around you i mean it's that's a that's an excellent resource to draw from yeah, this month uh, we're second month in a row we're having somebody out who works with uh, uh, Chara at Georgia State, the Center for uh, uh, what is it? Center for High Angular Resolution Astronomy, I believe it is. Fantastic. Now you you do a lot of outreach as well, don't you? I do. I do. I uh, so I have done. Um, some stuff with Stephen Ramsden of the Charlie Bates Solar Astronomy Project, and uh, I've met uh, met the folks at uh, at the, the the Kosovo chapter once or twice. And Stephen has provided some equipment, and I'm very grateful for that, and I appreciate it. Now, did you and, travel to Kosovo for that? Uh, I did not. Okay. Um, actually, uh, Pranvera traveled here, and she was uh, she was staying. Uh, at uh, staying here in Atlanta, and I went to go see Stephen, and uh, she was uh, she was hanging out, and so we chatted for a bit, and it was cool. She's a uh, um, she is a very very dynamic speaker, and I'm really glad to see she's doing what she's doing in her country. That's fantastic. Do you have any other hobbies besides astronomy? Um, I enjoy uh, building radio control airplanes, uh, and I also. Uh, and I have—I don't have any fish tanks now, but I—I've uh, kept uh, angelfish for quite a while. And at one point, a few years ago, before we moved uh, to our current place, I had a—I uh, think it was about a hundred-gallon fish tank with two breeding pairs of angelfish, and they would, like clockwork, breed every six weeks. Wow, that seems yeah. like a real relaxing hobby, though. It, it can be. It can be. Until your water goes crazy, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. But yeah. I um, haven't built radio control airplanes in quite some time, so I just uh, I enjoy my time on uh, real flight flight simulator. Yeah, I recently uh, bought a drone, me. and I'm having a lot of fun with that. That's ah, just, cool. Oh, it's 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 crazy. It's what what they do now, and how the flight safety of the things and everything. Oh, I know. I uh, yeah, I have a little drone that I take out with the boys once in a while. Uh, nothing terribly fancy. It's uh, you know, if I crashed it, I wouldn't be out a ton of money, so that's a good thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, is there any, any additional information you'd like to share with uh, the listeners about your experiences? Let's see. So, um, as far as myself, I also enjoy cars. Uh, when I was in the army. I had a uh, Ford Mustang GT, and I used to uh, uh, used to race that in Augusta, Georgia. I took that uh, a few times up to the racetrack in 
in uh, North Augusta, South Carolina, right across the uh, state line, where they would have uh, grudge night, and that was always a lot of fun. What are you talking about, like drag racing or drag racing? Yes, oh, it, uh, it, and it and it was great because it got the kids off the street. They got the kids on a racetrack, and you actually got a, a time slip to prove that that your car was the fastest. And you could also <laughs> do bracketing, where um, you would. Uh, you would go up against, let's say, you know, there was a guy that I remember one night had a Ford Ranger. He was racing against a Corvette. And that was the first time I had seen that. And I'm like, what in the world are these guys doing? Well, they were doing bracketing. They had to accurately predict what they were going to run. And so whoever, right, right, whoever was closest to their estimated time was the one that won. Interesting. Yeah. That was, uh, that's fun stuff. So, yeah, I turned my own wrenches quite a bit. Uh, but you're not racing for um, pink slips like we used to in the old days, huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. Even, yeah, I've done a lot of dumb things in my uh, in my youth, but that was not one of them. <laughs> well, a, a, a part of this member profile, I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show uh, Inside the Actor's Studio. There's a, I am, yes. Yeah, uh, there's a list of questions that they ask at the end. And it's the same okay. questions, and I've developed the same type of thing for this. So it's awesome. kind of free form, and we'll just see where we go. Ready? Perfect. Ready. On a scale of 1 to 10, how weird are you? Um, if, if nobody's watching, probably an 8. An 8, huh? Yeah. Do you want to elaborate? Um, so I... I am probably the most anal retentive slob that you will ever meet. And so I have this thing where I have to, you know, my room may be, my, my workshop is a mess, but I have to have things lined up. So my laptop, for instance, is the, the line of my laptop, I like it to be parallel with the edge of my table and I like my pencils <laughs> to be parallel with my laptop. Everything else is a freaking mess. Really? But I have geometric symmetry with certain things that's so funny. yeah okay. yeah that's that's one of my things it drives my wife nuts she's like how do you do this <laughs> all right <laughs> what's the furthest you have traveled for an astronomical event uh the furthest that i have traveled for an astronomical event not too terribly far actually i'm pretty fortunate to have been able to uh to be a part of uh, a lot of different uh, events, you know, the Merc we did a Mercury transit event here. We did a Venus transit event here. Um, I did a big solar eclipse event at my my boys' elementary school, where um, we estimated based on the number of glasses we handed out, there was about thirty five hundred people there. Oh my um, yeah, and we weren't even at totality; we were at like ninety nine point eight percent. So I think the furthest is probably about maybe two hundred miles. You missed totality by two tenths of a percent. So let me tell you, I was. Steve, I, let me, we need to have hang a talk. on. We need hang to have on. A talk. Hang on. Let me let me let me explain that one. So I, I was I was really was really torn about that. I really wanted to go see totality because I have not seen it before, but I decided that I wanted to spend it with my boys at their school. And so I had, you know, the easy up set up and the table with a couple of IMAX and a couple of uh, cameras in my, in a, one in a white light scope, one in a hydrogen alpha scope. And so I could have an entire class at a time okay. around a couple of IMAX. And I was the coolest dad in the entire school. Okay. Two words for you next time. Field trip. Yes. 
Field trip, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I plan yeah, my my plan is to travel for twenty twenty four. Okay, good. Good, good, good. All right. What's your go to order from your favorite hometown restaurant? Uh, that would be Dogwood Pizza. And uh, they they are a uh, they're a little kind of a mom and pop pizza place and they make the most awesome calzone that I have ever had. It is just loaded with grease and is it is wonderful. Georgia? Yes, okay. yes. Uh, Dogwood Pizza in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Okay. What, what what kind of pizza do you order? Uh, I usually get a calzone, and oh. they they put a, they put about five or six different kinds of meats in it, so it's dripping with grease, and it is just wonderful. Great. Now the next one, I think you've already <laughs> answered, but we'll we'll ask you anyway. What's your most memorable astronomical event? Uh, yeah, it, it'd be the uh, be the eclipse with my boys. I I I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are there any books or tools that have helped you on your astronomical journey yes uh the annals of the deep sky by uh uh oh gosh what are the names of the authors i have it right here on my shelf um by jeff knipe and dennis webb and i think i pronounced uh, jeff's last name correctly but i really uh really enjoy reading through that from time to time and another book that i uh rely on heavily um, I'm the observing coordinator, coordinator now for Charlie Elliott Astronomy, so I give a presentation every month on uh, what you can expect to see in the uh, in the evening sky on a given night. Uh, is the Observer's Handbook uh, from the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, and I have oh. 2019 in the house finally. There you go. All right. Good, good, good books. Good books. If you were stranded on a dark site, deserted island, what telescope would you want with you? Um, probably a big dob because I wouldn't have to worry about, uh, batteries. I'm assuming if I'm stranded, I'm probably not going to have electricity. Okay. All right. If you're stranded on a dark site, deserted island, what music would you want with you? Oh, so my go-to music for, uh, my astronomy events, um, club member, uh, Barry Fitzgerald turned me onto this. It's called, uh, it's called, I think it's NRV net, uh, and it's sort of like trance, but what they've done is they've taken the, uh, the transmissions from the Apollo missions and overlaid them to, uh, to some uh, very nice background music. So no it's way. very cool. Yeah. Really? It's awesome. What really, did, it's awesome. What, is that online? Uh, it, so it was online for the longest time, and it kind of disappeared. But if, I think if you do a search for N as in November, R as in Romeo, V as in Victor, net. Yeah, I gotta check that out. I want to hear about this magnificent desolation put to music. (laughs) Yes, there you go. All right. Uh, What advice would you give the twelve-year-old you? Oh, let's see. Um, Advice in life: Um, Don't take things quite so seriously, Uh, and be nice to as many people as you can. Yeah, and and that that has served me well. Um, I try to do I, I try to I try to do that in in outreach, um, even when it's right at the end and you're dead tired, and you don't want to talk to another ten or fifteen uh, middle school kids. But you never know. They gr- oh, they yeah, they yeah. get fingerprints on everything. <laughs> but you you never know. Um, one of those kids 
could be the first one to set foot on Mars. There you go. And that's I do a lot of school programs, and that's what I tell the kids. And it's amazing when I do programs, I tell them, how many people are in space right now? And they're like, none. And for the age groups I'm dealing with, like <laughs> 10 and you know, 10-year-olds, there's been a man in space since they were born. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. I mean, they, they a lot of these kids... They can't wrap their head around that. Yeah. And a lot of these kids have never known a world without an international space station. Right. Right. All right. Number nine. This is the important one. Okay. Cake, cake or pie? Ooh. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with pie. What kind? I'm going to go with pie. I, uh... I am a big fan of uh, apple pie with a scoop of vanilla ice cream on it. Right, yeah, I'm a Dutch apple pie kind of guy. Yeah. All right. Who has had the most single influence in regard to astronomy? The most single influence in regard to astronomy. The individual? Um, the individual. I would probably say... Uh, guy named uh, Phil Sacco, he is he's a master observer, uh, and he was one of the ones that was out in the field uh, the first night that I went to Charlie Elliott Astronomy, and he and Art Zorka uh, took time to uh, show me everything that I was doing wrong and show me how to do it right, and gave me a tour of the sky and reminded me of why I was, uh, why I was interested in astronomy. Wonderful. I like that. And I, uh, I, I still talk to Phil today. Uh, he's, he, he's a mentor of mine. Um, as far as the, uh, as far as the hobby is concerned, you know, if I have, uh, if every now and then, you know, you need to refocus and reset and he's a, he's a good person to go talk to for me. That's good. That's good. Um, well, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we shut this down? No, I think uh, I think I'm good. This was fun. The, this was fun. This was, yeah. Thank yeah. you, I appreciate it. If people want to get a hold of you, what? How do you recommend they do that? Uh, you can look me up on Facebook, uh, Steve Seedentop, S I E D E N T O P. Uh, you can also uh, reach me by email at program at ceastronomy dot org. And I'll put a link. I'll put the link for your email addresses in there, as well as the link for the uh, Charlie Elliott Astronomy. Awesome. Okay. Sound good. Thank you. Well, Steve, Very good. I, I again want to thank you for your awesome support of the podcast. It means a lot to me, and it, you have single-handedly really helped keep it alive over the years. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I th thank you for all the work you're putting into doing this because this does require a, uh, a level of dedication and commitment that you don't see a lot of times today. Well, thank you. Thank you much well i want to thank you again for coming on the podcast all right thanks sir have a good day all right all right well that'll do it for this episode of the observer's notebook podcast i really want to thank our special member profile guest steve seedentop for coming on and talking about him and what he's doing in astronomy thank you very much steve we upload new episodes of The Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. You can also listen on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month where you receive one year's membership and 
and producer credits on the podcast. And you know who does that? Steve Seedentop. He's got a year-free membership, and he's also the producer of the podcast. So again, thanks, Steve. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at ObserversNBPod. You can join the ALPO. Membership begins at only $18 a year. Find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find us on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And the podcast has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. Until next time. My hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.